We're actually beginning a new series uh, on the Old Testament again. Uh, we've kind of been back and forth a little bit this year between different uh, Old Testament uh, characters. And the one that um, I wanted to really focus in on during the summer uh, was a, a character that's a minor character in the storyline of uh, the Exodus, but in a lot of ways a major player. And if you've ever heard the story of uh, Joshua, you know that there was someone uh, right next to him who was carrying out the mission that uh, Joshua was given to follow up on, on uh, what Moses had instructed them to do. And this person's name was Caleb. And there are some passages in the Old Testament that talk about this person in light of uh, his courage, uh, but I think most importantly, his dreams. And if you look at uh, the graphic that we have on the front, uh, it really is um, a depiction of how fuzzy things get in our own point of view, but how when a God-shaped dream comes into focus, then all of a sudden, everything changes. And I don't know if you've ever had dreams or not that have been translated into actions that eventually over time became something that uh, was a driving force in your life and ultimately you wanted to see it materialize in, uh, in something very meaningful. And uh, perhaps uh, where, what you've done vocationally in your life or are doing right now is a response to a dream, maybe not of your own making, but a dream that God began to put in front of you and you, and you walked into it. Uh, there are, are, are many of us in the room, I think, that have had our own dreams for what we've wanted to do, and yet, uh, for some reason, those dreams didn't work out quite like we envisioned, but God was with us along the way, and he took all of the aspirations that we had for a dream, and he made them into something else. There was, a, there was an author who had decided that early on he was going to be a great poet, and after he studied and studied and he even became so good as a student that he went to Oxford and uh, studied in uh, very elite um, circumstances only to find that along the way uh, his aspirations for poetry uh, began to morph into uh, uh, something that began as just talks about Christianity. And those talks evolved into the writing of books and the writing of those books really uh, be, began a, a, a whole uh, landscape of uh, different topics that were being written, both fictional and non-fictional, on the theme of following the Lord. And as he was caught in, in, the, um, in, the, in the tide of all of this, uh, he woke up one day and realized that people were actually buying his materials, reading his books, and asking him to come and give lectures on the things that he was writing. And this person uh, did not turn out to be the famous poet C.S. Lewis, but rather the famous writer of children's books and of Christian apologetics books. C.S. Lewis, the person who uh, was responsible for so many people uh, to come not only to an awareness of the Lord, but perhaps even come to a vocational calling. And that really wasn't what he started out to do. And maybe, maybe you can relate a little bit. And if you can, uh, that's not a bad thing. 
Uh, and, if, and if you can't, maybe as we go through this series and track along with Caleb, uh, we'll see where God is working or has been working and maybe some of the things that he wants to do in your life and mine, no matter what season of life that we're in. Uh, we're looking at a person who had spent uh, the better part of his life following, uh, really, uh, the, the, the incredible storyline of God at first calling he and the members of his extended tribe out of Egypt, out of the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, and then into a land where there was um, the possibility of uh, a lot of opportunity, a lot of uh, financial gain, and a rich blessing. But in the meantime, there was a gap between where they had been, what they'd been delivered from and where they were ultimately destined to be. And in that gap uh, was Moses and the children of Israel in, the, in, the, in that sort of meandering area that occurred for 40 years because of the disobedience of God's people. And there were two individuals who were going through that experience with them, and they saw that God had done such a, a powerful thing with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and they realized that this is a God who had all kinds of things that he had dreamed in mind for these people. And as they looked around, they saw some timidity, some faithlessness, some people grumbling. And they, they had basically decided that they weren't going to be like that. But rather, because God had proven himself so powerful and so faithful, they were going to do something that uh, was in alignment with his purpose. Now, I just want to expand on that a little bit. To an episode that that occurred after um, after a period of time of, of wandering, just a brief period of time, uh, Moses had taken uh, twelve of the uh, different leading representatives of the twelve tribes and called them to a meeting, and he had told them that uh, we are going to begin to do a um, a campaign of information gathering on the land up north, the land that God has promised, promised us. And uh, these were men, uh, late 30s, early 40s, who were just primed for this kind of an adventure. Now, having a pastoral background, farming and things like that, it was definitely something new, but it was an opportunity to do something that um, was outside their comfort zone, but nonetheless very exciting. So Moses called him up and he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go up into uh, that promised land uh, from the very bottom of it to the very top of it. And I want you to just spy on everything that you see happening. Get a bead on what the land is, um, is like, what the people are like, and what it's going to take for us to go in there and take control of it as God leads us. So sure enough, they went, and for 40 days, uh, they went through the, the different regions of what later became known as uh, the Promised Land, and ultimately uh, the, the reign of King David and King Solomon over all of these areas. But before all that began, uh, on their initial observances, they found that the land was definitely uh, a, 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 very, a very appealing uh, environment to settle in. And as they saw all of the fruit and produce and all the things that would 
uh, emerge in, in such a setting, <clears throat> they got pretty excited. And they, 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 when they returned, their report was actually that the, the clusters of grape are, grapes are so big, each cluster would require uh, two people to carry. And expanding on that, he indicated, or they indicated rather, that it was uh, filled with, um, uh, you know, uh, honey and, and, and just metaphorically everything good imaginable. There was only one problem. As they were going through the different regions, uh, they saw in some areas there were people who were very tall. Uh, they were at least 6'5 um, to 7'5". And as they looked at them in light of their own height, which would probably at that time been around maybe five foot, uh, it was very intimidating. They came back with a sense that what God had promised and what their call to, uh, to do, uh, it, it was probably going to be impossible. And they were pretty demoralized by the prospect of going in there and taking it on. Except for, except for a person named Caleb and another person named Joshua. And Caleb had a sense that if God said it, it could happen. If God said that I'm going to promise you this land, you need to go take it, that God would follow along with and enable them and empower them every way that they needed for the task to be accomplished. If God could do it in the greatest empire of the world by taking Pharaoh and his army and defeating them in the Red Sea while they passed uh, un unaffected by all of the, uh, all the possibilities of drowning, uh, let alone being killed by, by such a mighty force, then God could certainly go with us into this land and make a difference. And the odd thing was, having experienced God in that way, you would think that of the spies that all of them would be thinking along the same lines. That, yeah, it looks hard. It's going to be worth it. And with God, all things are possible. But I think there, 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 there stands the, the, the problem. No matter what God has done in, in any of our lives, sometimes I think there's a sense that, yeah, but this is different. This dream that he's given me, this problem that's in front of me that maybe I, I, I feel like I need to address, I don't know that God is, is in it like, uh, like, like I think he was in the past. And perhaps uh, maybe we need to rethink that a little bit. And I just want to take us through the journey of Caleb's life as he lives in the aftermath of the spying adventure and in the aftermath of a bunch of people who seemed heartless, cowardly, faithless, and simply unwilling to do what God had called them to do. And unfortunately, when I, I mention all of those descriptors, at times I, I find myself being one of, the, one of the many who went in there and came back and said it can't be done. And maybe if that's you as well, uh, I, like uh, Caleb, I'd like to overcome so let's look at our message notes and let's begin the journey as, um, as we see it at this point. Now, the scripture that we have uh, that, that sets us up a little bit is found uh, on, the, on the front page here. And it's from uh, Joshua chapter 14. And here we read these words. 
uh, relative to the aftermath of what just happened. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. Just as he said, these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke the word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am this day 85 years old. So anybody 85 or younger in here? Okay. All right. Uh, If you're maybe a little bit older than that, uh, you still don't get a pass. So I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then, for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with us. Uh, and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Now, there's a whole lot of backstory behind this, but I just want to bring out a few things that happen in this, uh, in this exchange. As uh, Caleb is reflecting upon the spying adventure that, oddly enough, was, um, was at a point in time that uh, was, was early on in his career as a follower of the Lord. And now... He's at 85 years of age. That dream is still just simmering in his mind. And for 45 years, he's anticipating when the gate would drop and they could begin to go. And as he thought about that through the course of his 45 years, he was just imagining how God would bring the details of the dream uh, into sharper focus. But let's look at some things here that, uh, that he went through. When God's dream found Caleb, there were three aspects that came into play, which ensured that it was a dream worth pursuing. Now, I just want to look at these as quickly as we possibly can. Um, and, and that is, first of all, Caleb's dream was a fit with God's will. Now, Caleb's dream was uh, described in Numbers chapters uh, 13 and 14. Uh, which for the sake of time, I'm not going to go into it. But it essentially, um, and, and we'll cover it as, as, the, as this unfolds. But for now, it's, it's essentially that Caleb was given the vision that he would be going into the promised land. And when he did, he would have the opportunity to settle in one of the richest parts uh, that, would be, uh, that would be the inheritance of God's people. It was the land of, uh, surrounding the area of Hebron, which is in the southern part. And it ultimately came the, the region of Judah. Uh, and as uh, Caleb set his sights on that region and he thought about the giants and he considered the, all of the agricultural aspects of uh, what was to be, uh, they stood to gain, um, he didn't take a human point of view. If you look at the, at the, at the graphic on, on the front of the message notes, again, uh, if, you'll, if you look through the glasses, you'll see how things come into sharper focus. And I, I imagine this in a variety of ways. One is from God's point of view. And as God's point of view began to be uh, instilled into Caleb in such a way over time that ultimately it became his point of view. And Caleb's dream was God's dream. And the two were synonymous. And the thing that we run into is... We're not in that situation. We haven't been through the Exodus. We haven't encountered uh, all of the horrifying and harrowing um, uh, episodes that he had experienced up to that point and saw at every turn God bringing us through it. 
but rather in your life and mine, our story is a little bit different. We each uh, live in this region. We've had experiences of God working in our lives through prayer, through um, encouragement of other people, through being a part of a church. And as we have, we've seen God at work in, in a variety of ways. We've seen the clues of his, his handiwork. Um, and as we've walked with him, we've hopefully began to understand a little bit more about his character, about his faithfulness, about his love, about his grace, about his kindness, about even the things that he does whenever we have those painful seasons where he disciplines us or he draws us close to him in, in our pain or he enables us to see things that we hadn't seen before in his discipline. All of those unseen things that are very real uh, help us to know a little bit about the mind and the heart of God. And once we understand that, we, we begin to see the fit a little bit. So how did he know, in his case, his dream would fit? I would say that as Caleb reflected upon the land of Hebron that was his to claim, and all of the adversaries that would uh, be his challenge to overcome, he understood God's purpose for his community. And this is what Caleb, Caleb meditated on for 45 years. There was an encounter between God and one of forefather Abraham and Abraham was promised that in this land the land of Canaan that that would be the land that Abraham's descendants would inhabit and it was such a promise that repeatedly it was uh, told to, to Abraham over time and it was extended into uh, uh, promises that were offered to even his children and grandchildren, and even down into the time of the Exodus. It was reaffirmed over and over and over that this was their destiny. It was God's purpose for his community of people, his tribe, to land there. And so he knew that claiming that land was a perfect and appropriate fit for what, um, what needed to happen. And... You may be wondering at this point, well, still, I don't, I don't see the connection between the two. And, um, and, and, and so let's move on to the next point, and, and perhaps it'll come into greater clarity, like at the doctor's office when you're getting your eyes examined. Caleb made sure his own life narrative was aligned with God's story. Um, and, and there's some scriptures that we have that, that go along with it. Um, one of them is um, that, that, that I, I, it's not mentioned in your notes, but it's Proverbs 16.9. And uh, it, it, uh, it, it basically summarizes for me anything uh, that I purpose to do as, as I'm walking into maybe a dream. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's simply this. I know that my imagination can come up with ideas to, for things to be doing. And I know that God has designed me to, to be that way as well as each of you. Uh, and the proverb uh, writer Solomon reflected on this and this is what he said. The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. Did you catch that? The Lord establishes his steps. We have the responsibility to, to work through this, this process of making plans. It's just, uh, it, it's, it's how it gets started. But have you ever made plans and then all of a sudden there's a change of plans? 
there's a plan B or a plan C or things didn't work out quite like you thought, but in the end, it worked out actually for the better. I think I shared this maybe before, but I'll, 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 it's just a funny illustration. I was chopping down a pine tree at my house uh, about a month ago, and um, I was um, thinking this thing has to go right between the tulip tree and the blueberry bushes. And as I'm trying to make this pine go in that direction, I'm getting a little nervous. And so I got on YouTube and I looked at a video, which is what we do, right? And this guy described a technique which I thought was actually pretty foolproof. And I got uh, my saw out and I began to cut into the tree. And, and I noticed that as I was cutting it, that uh, uh, at the very end when it was getting ready to go, that it started to go in the direction that I had um, cut the tree to, to go down. Uh, but it all of a sudden fell at go this way, and then all of a sudden, as it's going, it falls this way. And I'm like, oh, no. Uh, but then when I looked at where it fell, it fell right between the blueberry bushes and my son's hostas, uh, which were planted there. Now, he's out of town for a while, so I knew that there was a grace period there uh, if any of the hostas got damaged, which a few of them did. But as it turned out, I'm like, wow, that was actually a better spot than the spot that I had, I had planned, uh, planned out originally. Now, I'm not sure that was a God thing. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. I, I suspect uh, people talk about guardian angels. Uh, sometimes I think they must work overtime uh, in my life. Uh, but in that case, uh, the tree fell in a, in a place that didn't really, didn't damage the bushes, took out a few hostas. Uh, and, and it was fine. Uh, just, just so that I can, I can uh, save face a little bit. Well, one thing I didn't factor in is my property has a little bit of a grade to it. And I didn't account for that whenever I cut the tree. And sure enough, gravity being what it was, it fell in that direction. And we'll just leave it at that. So if you want me to chop down a tree for you, maybe you better think twice. Well... Uh, that, uh, that, that's indicative of how we make a plan, but it goes in a different direction. And, in, and, and I think in, in God's economy and God's way, it always goes in what God would perceive the best way because he can see in advance things that are coming up. Let's expand on this just a little bit farther and look at how Caleb's dream fit with his own talents. Um, Caleb was one of those individuals that at 85 was like he was at 40. Wouldn't that be, that's not fair, is it? I mean, probably Paul Heim may be the only person I know that 85 is, you know, better than I am at, was at 40. Uh, but as, uh, you know, as we think about our own capabilities and our own mortality, we realize that that's really uh, an incredible place to be at 85 years of age. But Caleb, uh, he was somebody who, I think he was so hardy, and he was such a, a, a determined worker of, uh, of the land, and, um, and, and vocationally, uh, just a very active person um, in, 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 in the region that they were wandering in for that period of time. And as Caleb looked at the task of taking on uh, the, uh, the, the adversaries who were many and who were tall it didn't seem to phase him because he knew that not only did God call him to 
accomplish this goal. But God enabled him to do that through the capabilities that he had. And, and maybe that's not your particular calling, nor mine, and I, I can't imagine that um, it's a calling for anybody but somebody young. But he was, he was aware that he could do it. And, and he did. And I, and I, like, I, I like that how he did that uh, is a reflection of um, not only what God said in Colossians 3.23 about um, God a, uh, uh, told us that, um, well, first of all, in Romans 12.6, we'll give you that one. Uh, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. And whatever that is in Colossians 3.23 we need to do it as if under the Lord. So that means essentially there is no, okay, it's better to have a secular job or sac- uh, a sacred job versus a secular job. It's so much better to be a pastor than it is to be a person who does, you just fill in the blank with any vocation. No, what God is up to in each of our lives is really, it's a different agenda. Some are called to do this, some are called to do that. I was called to be a pastor. I didn't aspire to be a pastor. It was a dream that God gave me and it's one that I walked into. But I know many of you were called to do a variety of different tasks. And at first you may have said, I wasn't called to do this. But as I've done it, I've, I've, I've begun to walk into it and I've begun to see how this is a fit for me. Now there are things along the way that we do uh, that, um, that, that, that contribute to that ability. Uh, we don't really think about what, um, what, what, what value they're going to add. Uh, but, um, you know, when I, my first job, was to um, uh, wash dishes. And, you know, as I reflect back, I'm thinking, what value was there in washing dishes? Well, having three kids go through my house discovered what the value was in washing dishes. First of all, I had to learn, I had to do it and do it quickly. And eventually, I had to be able to train other people to do it. Now, I'm not as effective of a trainer as I'd like to be in helping kids to understand uh, the importance of washing dishes, but it, it, it played an important role. Uh, along the way, I uh, took classes, vocational classes as a machinist, and then I'd done some training to be a machinist. As it turned out, that dream kind of fizzled. And I thought there, there will never be any value in that uh, because as God's directing my path, it seems like I don't see any mills or lays in the library of St. Louis Christian College. So that's probably not going to be anything of value. But what I discovered is God destined me to be in a region that wasn't agricultural but industrial. And I can't tell you the number of conversations I've been able to have with machinists who otherwise would discount me ever saying anything uh, to them or having anything in common. And it seems like I've been able to even minister uh, through that. And so God has used that ability. Uh, Prior to that, I just remembered, I used to be a person who worked at a gas station. Do you know they used to have people that would pump gas? A lot of you guys know that. Uh, but they'd wash your windows, they would check your oil, and they'd be courteous and kind. They'd change out your windshield wa- uh, wipers and fill the washer fluid. Do you remember that? Yeah, and then all of a sudden, you ladies are like, I guess I've got to learn how to do all that stuff because the company has decided to do away with um, gas pump jockeys. But in the process, I learned a lot about dealing with, with people, uh, how to be kind and courteous, 
how to be aware, how to understand uh, their concerns. Um, and, and so, you know, at each step, there's something that God says, I am allowing you to, in this season, to work in this environment. You may not think anything will come of it, but trust me, there are so many things happening that later on you'll thank me for allowing, uh, allowing these opportunities to unfold. And so whatever God has given each of us the ability to do, do certain things well. Caleb wanted to do this, but there were people around him saying, no, you can't do this. First of all, you are 85, and you don't have any business doing that. And second of all, we've already made the point, we're not going to go into that, into that place because it's too dangerous. And on and on, the list of reasons why Caleb shouldn't follow through on his capability as a warrior and take the land so that the people could settle into it and begin to build lives and families and do what God envisioned when he made that dream come alive in the mind of Abraham. And I, I just want to show a, um, a part of a clip of a person who I think exemplifies this better than I can probably describe. And so let's, let's show that if we can. Maybe you'll remember this. What's your name, darling? My name is Susan Boyle. Okay, uh, Susan, and where are you from? I am from Blackburn near Bathgate, West Lothian. It's a big town. It's a sort of collection of, it's a collection of uh, villages. I to think there. And how old are you, Susan? I am 47. And that's just one side of me. Okay, what's the dream? I, I'm trying to be a professional singer. And why hasn't it worked out so far, Susan? I've never been given the chance before, but he's hoping it will change. Okay, and who would you like to be as successful as? Elaine Page. Elaine like Page. That. What are you going to sing tonight? I'm going to sing I Dreamed a Dream from the Miserables. Okay, big song. <laughs> yeah? Yeah.
disappears. Without a doubt, that was the biggest surprise I have had in three years on this show. When you stood there with that cheeky grin and said, I, I want to be like Elaine Page, everyone was laughing at you. No one is laughing now. That was stunning. An incredible performance. Isn't it interesting to watch that now as you've seen her career unfold and how the dream that she had evolved into a career and then really world-renowned as far as uh, the ability to take a gift that was in an isolated community and expand on it to such a degree that so many people are so richly blessed. And, you know, I think as God looks at us, he sees a lot more than we do. He's aware that the capabilities that he's wired into us as he's made us in his image and likeness offer so much more than what we uh, give ourselves credit for. I think one of the biggest problems that we have is uh, uh, the problem of having limited beliefs and belief. Abraham was told, go to the land I'll show you. I'll make your name great and you'll be a blessing. Not knowing where the land was not being able to have children, not really imagining how he could bless the whole earth without those things as well as anything else. But God had wired into him so much that the story as it unfolds gives us a sense that because he faithfully followed that, and Paul even commented in Romans 4, Abraham, now we read believe God, but I would say it's better translated trusted God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And Caleb trusted God in the same manner. He took his capabilities and he said, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to take my 85-year-old body along with a, a, a complement of soldiers and take the promised land. He was confident in exercising his talents to such a degree that as we see the story in hindsight, we know that even today, that region of land is described as, um, as, as, the, as the land that, uh, that, that Israel inhabits. And Caleb, in his own role, uh, took that confidence and began to trust God to be at work in the process. And as you and I look at ourselves, um, maybe the biggest issue is just becoming aware of what God is given us in terms of capability and talent and then walking into that and as a pastor I've been pretty gratified to see uh, many of you uh, see need within the church or in the community wrestle with your own lack of confidence on being called to do anything that would make a difference trusting God as you walked into it and allowed that particular basically a life of, of, of change and impact. And, and, and that's really what we draw from Caleb as he assesses uh, the dream that he has been given. And I wonder if you have taken any time to assess your life relative to what God's calling you to do in this season. If you haven't, I believe that God calls us from time to time to step back and to look and say, you know, what is it that God wants me to do, needs me to do? What dream has he given me or what vision has he given me for this moment? 
Who has he put in front of me to say, uh, I, I, I need you and what you have to offer in my life? And maybe we haven't been paying attention enough. And so I just want to leave it at that at that for this part of the message series and just look uh, in, in conclusion at where he, where he uh, took his dream. His dream fit with Israel's need. He understood the need for a permanent place to settle. And that's the bottom line. He had a vision. He saw the opportunity. He was aware that like anything that we set out to do, your biggest enemy is going to be resistance. And that's why most dreams, you know, found they, when they encounter any kind of resistance, then we give up. But people who do exceptional things are people that we tend to applaud primarily because we know that they found the ability to overcome resistance. And Caleb knew that the resistance would be there, but if God was going to be in the enterprise the resistance wasn't greater than God. And Caleb knew his dream would result in peace for his people. And I, had a, I was counseling with a, a couple this week. And, and, and one of the persons I counseled with said, you know, I, I would like to come away for what's going on here to be a blessing to you. And he said, I, I don't know exactly how it is that I can be a blessing for you or I, how I can even help you. And I said, you know, I... I, I stopped and I thought about what you said and I, and I thought what would it be that, that you could do for me or the, that you could bring into my world that would be meaningful and I said as a pastor the thing that blesses me so much is when I see a situation that is not what it should be and somehow through, through, through time and prayer and process that situation becomes Resolved or brought into a right place uh, in a manner that uh, reflects what it was intended to be. And I said, for you as a couple, the biggest blessing for me, the thing that I lose sleep about as a pastor is when I know that gap is there and I can't do anything about it. But if I can encourage people to work on that and I can equip and enable them, then I have peace. I have joy. I feel blessed. And if you as a couple would go into this possibility of marriage together, thinking about it as a covenant with the Lord, and then establishing it on His principles, that would be a blessing to me. That's really all that I want. It's really how God has taken my mind, which was selfish and self-centered, and really oriented towards what I wanted. And over time, conditioned me to see things as he saw them and even as he did that he began to replace the priorities of things that were once important with things that are now of absolute importance and there are a lot of things that I've just been excited about in the past that I'm completely indifferent about mainly because they don't fit into God's purpose they don't really go anywhere and as I think about being a pastor and the role of dreams, I think about just where things are and where things need to be. And those dreams, when they are realized, uh, that's when we're blessed. Do you know who else had the topic as their, their life theme, I have a dream? Anybody? 
Martin Luther King. I don't think it's any accident that 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 refrain comes up over and over and over. And it was primarily for the same reason. Where things are are not where they need to be. Where they need to be are really in the realm of dreams and visions right now. And my energies are going to be directed towards that. Based on Caleb's assessment, I wonder, can you recognize a dream that God may be bringing to shape in your life? And if you can't, I would like for you to ask God to help you maybe see that. On the other side of eternity, God's going to be looking back and he's going to say, how did you allow the dreams that I gave you take effect so that they can make a difference in the lives of people for all eternity? And it's an ambiguous question right now, but in the course of our message series, I want to I sharpen it up. But for now, I just want to challenge you to assess what it is in your life that maybe God is putting in front of you that maybe isn't the way it needs to be or could be and where should it be and what is God calling you to do to make all the difference. Let's just end it there. And as we do, um, I'd like for us to stand and one of the things that God... Um, it really puts on, on, on my heart every week is, is, is just closing the gap between those who are maybe seeking him but don't really know him personally and how it is that we can somehow bring, bring you or any individual into a relationship with him where things are put right. And maybe he's working on your heart to offer your life and surrender to him.